Hey there once again. Buffalo Bills fans, thank you for joining us. It's Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. And you know by now that that is Big Chris Newton over there. Big man, it's been two weeks. I hate going this long without talking to you. You good, buddy? I am, man. Life is good. This is the best time of the year for me. Like I always tell you all, I love when we spring forward. Daylight savings time. It felt good tonight that uh, that it didn't get dark to almost 7.30 here in Virginia. I love it. Um, and also the tournament came out, man, March Madness. This is a this is my holiday, man. Just sit around and watch basketball Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday all day long. And and you have to really stop and consider what's going on here. This might be one of the coolest weeks of sports we've ever had because not only is football free agency kicking in right now, but baseball after the lockout that has let go. So teams are scrambling to try to fill out their rosters. This is a really exciting week of sports, isn't it? I know, man. This is a great time. And and then we also heard the big news yesterday that Tom Brady, after six weeks of retirement, decided he had enough of his gorgeous model wife and his kids. I guess they pretty bad, according to Ryan Clark. He tweeted, <laughs> Ryan Clark tweeted yesterday, he got tired of them badass kids. And so he decided he decided he wanted to return back to the football field and get hit. He'd rather get hit by Aaron Donald than stay at home with his family. Oh my god. It reminded me so much of this guy that I used to work with. Like if no matter how early you got to work, he was there. No matter how late you stayed, he was there. And it was like that every single day. And it it was this ongoing joke that literally, if the lights were on, he was there. And finally, I was like, do you not like going home? And he goes, I have six daughters and four of them are teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be like that. But I tell you, a lot, a lot of people feel like that, man. And it isn't all necessarily bad. I imagine to keep the peace is probably better to be away more than be around. Um, because you probably go nuts, I would imagine. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying for people who I know that are like that, because I do know people that's like that. But um, as far as me and my family, you know, I mean, how rarely is it that you see, I mean, how often is it that you see me with either Simone or Jalen? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Like, you have cool kids, though. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does, but your kids are chill and they're nice and they're easy to get along with. And I, you, you told me years ago, you're like, they don't bother me at all. No, no, they don't bother me. And you've seen them at the bar. I mean, once they kind of got older, I would bring them to the bar for the draft and watch the games and stuff. I didn't when they were younger. Some people do. Um, and that's fine. But yeah, once they got to the bar, they'll talk to people. They're friendly. They're not just sitting there and, you know, whatever. They're very sociable. I don't know where they got that from. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So we were going to give our report cards on on, on the Bills, and two weeks ago we gave our offensive report card, but with all the things happening in football right now and with the Buffalo Bills, it just seems like it would be bad timing. Now, we understand that we have to record this in advance, so by the time this is released – there's going to be more news. 
But we would be remiss if we did not talk about some of the things that are going on with the Buffalo Bills right now that are really, really are reshaping the roster. And it's going to have a major effect on what we see on the field in 2022. And I don't know if the Bills are improving themselves at the same rate as, say, like the Chargers are, but man. But first, before we get to any of that, we just had the scouting combine. That is an event in and of itself. So there has to be at least one player that that you're watching and you got your man crush happening. Tell me it's not a big man. Is it a big man? Oh, it has to be a big man, dude. <laughs> the big fella, Georgia D tackle Jordan Davis, ran a 4-7 in a 40-yard dash. That's insane. Okay. And this dude is like 350 pounds. He's like 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, 350 pounds. Like he broke the record of a person that large moving that fast. Yeah, the and largest – or the fastest time for anybody over 310. Right. I watched a video of him run, and I can't believe that that much human can move that fast. It's amazing how, and we talk about this, how the game has evolved and what we're seeing now. And this this bolds what we talk about all the time, that how the game has evolved. These people are getting bigger, and they're getting faster than ever before in our league's history. Think about when you look at back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was dudes on the side in the early uh, early ages in the NFL. Dudes was on the sideline smoking cigarettes and stuff in the yeah. locker rooms and stuff. <laughs> they worked at the steel mills. You know, they were probably six foot, 220, 220 linemen. Now you got guys that this is big, this fast, man. It's just unbelievable, bro. Well, I, I mean, to put this into some historic perspective – Back in the 1970s, one of the greatest linebackers of all time, Jack Lambert, weighed 215. William the Refrigerator Perry in 1985, they called him the refrigerator because he was so big, because he weighed 315. Mm-hmm. 315? Are you kidding me? That's yeah. like a big tight end now. Exactly, man. So it's just the way the game has evolved, man. It's just wonderful. And then to piggyback off that, talking about the evolution, look at Tom Brady once again coming back for what? This is year 35 for him. Ah, yeah, he must hate his family. (laughs) (laughs) But that just goes, just going back to him, that just goes to show that the training staffs, nutrition, the knowledge that we have so you can stay uh, healthy and play for longer periods of time, man, it's higher than ever before. Yes, and I remember back in, I think it was 1991, when Joe Montana went to the Chiefs for his age 40 season, and a guy that I know who's a physician said, he's not going to play more than four games. The human body is not made to withstand punishment when it gets to 40. And sure enough, he was injured the majority of the season. And yeah, because that's because us 40 and olders, man, I mean, it hurts. We, we're we sore like we got done playing a game. We just wake up in the morning, and we didn't do nothing. <laughs> I, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. All those young whippersnappers out there yeah, that are sore from laying in bed. Just walking. Just walking. You're just You're sore. <laughs> <laughs> How do you walk around a ball and you just sore, bro? 
The mall. Oh, it's that tile floor. It'll get you every time. Anyway. I'm sorry. So, yeah, to answer your question that you asked before, um, a lot of transactions has uh, happened in the last couple of weeks. We are trying to get under the salary cap. Uh, we let a couple of guys go. As uh, you all saw, that Daryl Williams and John Feliciano have been released. For what we're reading, Daryl Williams might be able to come back. Um, but then we signed Pro Bowler from uh, the Tennessee Titans on a one-year deal. Roger Safe, uh, Safe. Yeah, and that's the one that excites me because if you recall, like, I believe it was five years ago or four years ago, something like that. He actually negotiated with the Bills, but only as a means for getting more out of the Titans. And it is really nice to see the Bills sign a player like him because I had been under the impression that there were one more stud offensive lineman away from being utterly dominant on offense. It didn't have as much to do with the skill positions to me as it did with the offensive line. And I was never a big Feliciano fan. I always found him to be average at best. Daryl Williams was good in 2020 and not the same player in 2021. And he was making over $6 million, which would have made him, well, which did make him the sixth highest paid guard in the NFL. Right. He did not play like the sixth best guard in the NFL. So, yes, he needed to be let go. And as of the time of this recording, we don't know what the financials are on the Saffold deal. But I couldn't be more excited about it because you win in the trenches, you tend to win the game. I agree. And like you said, I feel like John uh, Feliciano, I feel like he was serviceable. I thought that we could get better than that. Um, and as far as Daryl Williams concerned, um, he was the casualty of his contract. I mm-hmm. thought he was a decent player. We talked highly of him during the season from his performances. I think we could improve there. But once he moved from right tackle to right guard and you making that kind of money, it doesn't equal out. So he was a casualty of the cap. Uh, once again, I'm reading that we could bring him back maybe um, at a lower contract that's more uh, team-friendly. Um, but, yeah, to have someone who just made the Pro Bowl last year, and, and what I was reading, I don't know if you saw uh, his tweets and stuff, they asked some questions, well, why Buffalo? He loved our facilities, and he wanted to go to a team that he felt like could win a Super Bowl next year. And so that lets you know how people view us around the league, which make you feel very good. Yes. Um, He's on a team-friendly one-year deal. He's a little older, but that's okay because we're trying to win now. I love the deal. Yeah. He's not going to be the player that he was, you know, four years ago. But this is an excellent player. And you can get good play out of offensive linemen, especially on the interior and interior defensive linemen much longer than you can players at other positions because they don't rely on their speed. They rely on their strength. So Mm -hmm. while Saffold is a very athletic guard, all you need to do is look at pictures of him. There's really not a lot of fat on that body. Right. So they got him because he can move, but He's going to be able to, even if he loses a step, he's still going to be quicker than a lot of the defenders that he's blocking. And this leads to something else. Uh, I will mention that 
the Bills will be tendering a contract to restricted free agent uh, Ryan Bates. That's yep. going to cost them $2.43 million. To me, that's starter money. Would you agree? Yeah, but I don't think that they're looking for him to start, though. I think he's. I think that's going to be a depth signing. Um, with the way it's looking now, and also I know, and I don't want to take your thunder. You also see that we re-signed uh, or gave an extension to uh, Mitch Morris. Yes. So now I'm thinking that okay, we just need to fill in a left guard spot. I don't think that's going to necessarily be Ryan Bates. I think that's some like that's somebody we're going to pick up or we're going to look for in a draft for a young guy. I think a lot of the value in Bates is his versatility. So he right. can fill in at any of the three interior positions plus tackle, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's an important player to have. And he, he was really good when he filled in at the end of the season and he kept the starting spot. And that's probably the biggest reason why they let uh, Feliciano go is because they looked at Ryan Bates and said, well, this is our floor. The floor with him is better than the ceiling with Feliciano. So, if you if you, so, do you feel like our offensive line is set then? I don't know. I still feel like there's more moves to come. Okay, me too. It's early. It so, it is early. It's early. Okay. But the thing that I wanted to talk about is how, to me, this seems like there's a philosophical change going on in Buffalo, where okay. the two offensive linemen that were let go are. Not the most mobile guys, but they're very strong. They're kind of your brawlers, if you will. Saffold is an athlete. Morris, who's been extended, is an athlete who can run, but he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna bulldoze anybody. And Ryan Bates showed that he had good movement skills too. Does it look like the Bills are trying to assemble a very athletic offensive line to you? I definitely agree with that. And I know that's what you've been loving it because I know that's what the schemes you want. They're going to be able to do the schemes that you always talk about we we should be doing. <laughs> um, yeah, I do agree with you. It seems like we're bringing in more athletic bodies to protect uh, our franchise quarterback, which I love. Once again, Sefo, 34 years old, just made a Pro Bowl last year. So it ain't like this guy was just on the heap. Um, he had a good year last year. So yeah. – I'm very excited about it. I definitely feel it's upgrade. And like I said before, I think it's a situation where we just have maybe one more position to fill in, find a left guard. And we if we could do that uh, maybe in a draft, okay, yeah. or maybe we bring in somebody else. But I definitely think that we've upgraded our offensive line with that move. So let's talk about the upgrading the athleticism and what that leads to when it comes to blocking. So you're a player. This sounds like an outside zone scheme to me is coming. Tell the listeners why it's important to have good athletes with that sort of blocking scheme. Because if you have guys that just potters, I mean, if they are big and strong and they get good at the point of attack, but they can't move in space. And we've talked about it before on our show that getting up to the second level, being able to block a, 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 a Tremaine Edmonds, you got to be able to move in short spaces. And if you can't do that, then you're not going to be able to get to the second level. Um, once again, you talk about zone blocking schemes, that means you be, have to be able to move and be able to block somebody else who's moving, okay? 
It isn't man on man, hat on hat. It's you got to find somebody in space and be able to get a hat on them. To do that, you have to be an athlete. Everybody is, and it might sound simple, but everybody isn't capable of doing it, especially when you're dealing with big men. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of it out on the edges with wide receivers. It's called stalk blocking when it's a run play and you got to get a DV that's five yards away from you perhaps and you got to get to them and block them and keep them blocked without holding. That means you're moving your feet, moving your hands, and you got to beat them to a spot. It takes an athlete to do those things, and everybody isn't capable of doing it. There is, there's a clip that keeps getting shown and it's Mitch Morris lead blocking for Isaiah McKenzie on an outside run. And he's trucking downfield and McKenzie has his hand on his hip, on Morris's hip. And it looks like they're running at the same speed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God, this guy outweighs McKenzie by over a hundred pounds. And it looks like they're going the same speed. <laughs> That's athletic, man. Yes, it is. And when you're able to do that, you're able to do more things. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what? Your, play, your playbook opens up more. You know, like again, if you if you have an unathletic offensive line, it's more hat on hat. Get the people, get the persons lined up in front of you. But if you're if you have an athletic line, even where they line up at, you're able to do more things. So if I'm playing left guard and the guys on my inside shoulder, can I reach block them with the plays going to the right? If you're not a good athlete, you won't be able to get your head around to where you even make that block. So ah. the athleticism is improving. I think that's going to open up our playbook more and then be able to do more things. So cutting off angles is a big part yeah. of it. Yes. Yes. Got it. So are you even able to line up as as an offensive line wider than you would with less athletic guys? Do you have to bunch them up closer together? No, you don't have at to. At times? You well, can, I mean, you when, have when they're less athletic. Yes, yes. Less athletic, you want to be more, you want to close down the hole so they don't have to move as far. Mm. The better athletes you are, you can have wider splits. And splits, of course, is the distance between the feet of one lineman to another. So is that what you that's have, called? Yeah. I never it's knew called that. splits. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have uh, more athleticism, you can have wider splits, which will have um, uh, bigger holes for your running backs to go through because you know that your guards and tackles can reach and move and get out the way, mm-hmm. all right? But just just think about the goal lines. Just think about fourth and one, the splits. They're heel to heel, right? Yeah. Yeah, because you, you don't, you're just trying to get everybody close together and wedge forward, you know, and yeah. you do that on the goal line too. But if you got wider splits, it's first and 10 from 30. You got wider splits, you want running lanes for your running backs. But if everybody bunched in, it's less running backs. Running line, excuse me. So this may not bode well for Devin Singletary, who I think does really well in a pulling scheme. He doesn't seem as much like a one-cut-and-go runner that is necessitated in the zone scheme. I'm wondering if this is going to work to his favor. Well... I was going to, when we talk about this season and our guesses, I mean, because I messed up last summer. I said that Moss was going to overtake Singletary. Singletary played wonderfully towards the end of the season. So I'm not going to bet against sure him. Um, but I understand what you're saying. Um, you would think that a, a 
a more bruising back, Mike Moss would probably be more advantageous for this. But I think Singletary would be okay. He showed a lot of shiftiness, and he showed a lot of putting his foot down and hitting a hole towards the end of the year. So I think he'll be okay. Okay. Well, I I hope so. You know, they're they're going to need some production from that spot, and they certainly haven't looked to replace him as of now. So right. I, I would love to see Singletary build on what he did at, at the end of the season. And I think he can. I think he can. You think so? I, yeah. I, I think he can. I'm just hoping that this scheme is going to suit him all right. So there are some there are some other moves that have happened. Yes. We're going to talk about my boy Mitch. We're one step closer to getting your dream, right? What's my dream? Mitch Trubisky is uh, going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He signed today uh-huh. or uh, came to terms. What am I going to say sign? But came to terms. So we're one step closer to fulfilling your dream yep. and bringing back our boy. Uh-huh. It's Patrick. Hashtag bring Fitz home. <laughs> I, just, I, I just want Fitz to end his career in Buffalo so badly. I do too. I do too. It would be nothing. I, and like I said, I will. We talked about this two weeks ago. I would love to sign him. I would love to get Gronk also. I would love to get Gronk. He's from he's from New York. I would love to have him. Um, but yeah, having Fitz, man, that that'd be wonderful, man. And it, just think, it, we blowing out New England, you know, at home, and then next thing you know. You bring Josh Allen comes out the game, and here comes Ryan Fitzpatrick to end the game. Man, the, the crowd will go crazy. And you know, the most popular player on any football team is the backup quarterback. <laughs> That's what they say. That's what they say. But I don't know about that. Well, I mean, in the it NFL hasn't been that now. way recently. In yeah, because I know. Because yeah, we yeah, Mr. Vinci, you are great, but you're not Josh Allen. Right. <laughs> so yes, I do agree with you. Everybody, you that old adage is the most popular person on campus is the backup quarterback. But that's when you don't have a quarterback. I think in the NFL, no one, no one loves Jordan Love more than Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, so nobody, no. So I don't think in the NFL is different. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think that there's. And I did want to ask you this. I think there's room for Fitzpatrick because Josh Allen is a superstar. Normally, you wouldn't want to bring a player in that is as popular as Fitzpatrick if you have a starter that's in question. But I can guarantee you that the minute Josh Allen has a bad game and throws three interceptions, which happens to the best of them, they're going to be like, put Fitz in. Let Fitz start the next game. Those jokers. I can almost guarantee you that that's not going to happen. I promise you somebody's <laughs> going to call up the call-in shows and say that. And if they do, somebody's going to hang up on Shopin' the Bulldog and them guys, they're going to hang up on that dude. So. Oh, deservedly so. <laughs> deservedly we don't have to worry. So. We, don't even have, we don't have to worry about that. I lived through the Frank Reich, Jim Kelly years. Fortunately for me, I was not living in New York at the time when the Doug Flutie, Rob Johnson fiasco hit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you couldn't go anywhere without people arguing over who was better. But anyway, right. it does open up a hole on the team for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And let's keep our fingers crossed that it happens. 
Let's go over to the other side of the ball. Now, there is a player who played extremely well for the Bills last year, and everybody wanted him back. Everybody did. And the next thing you know, he's gone. I'm talking about Harrison Phillips signing with the Vikings. Big loss or not? I told you, I think we both agreed that we would like to see him back. Yep. Um, But the Vikings gave him three years, 20, about 20 mil, I think. Yeah. Um, And so I'm happy for him. He's a hard worker. I I wish we could have kept him, but it just wasn't in the cards. I think we're all going to kind of miss him and his versatility. But we wind up getting um, two D tackles. Yep. Um, Tim Settle. Yep, Tim Settle out of Washington. Out of uh, Washington Commanders. I, I'm still not used to saying that yet. That'll take so. a couple of years. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> so we got Tim Settle and uh, Jaquan Jones. So uh, and you talked about in the production now that you feel like with the signing of those two, not only that makes up for the loss of Harrison Fields, but you don't think that our boy is going to be back. Star. Star yeah. Yeah. I am wondering about that because it's a really big dead cap number if you get rid of him this year, but it also saves you a few million. And I'm wondering if the team has soured on him at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, he skipped a season and then he came to the team and caught COVID and then didn't play well. I I wonder if they're calling shenanigans on that end. But the two guys that they signed are are one technique defensive tackles, guys that play the same position as Star. And, I mean, uh, Daquan is 6'4", and what's he listed at here? 320 pounds, and Mm -hmm. Settle is well over 300 pounds himself. Also, very interestingly – the Bills tend to bring in guys that have really nice-looking raw athletic scores, which is a combination of their size compared to people in their position group and how they how they score with all the combine numbers. The Bills go for especially offensive linemen with really high raw athletic score numbers. Tim Settle's raw athletic score uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 – or from zero to 10 is below one, which was shocking to me. <laughs> yeah. You could tell they're looking to replace star that one technique. Um, they're not interchangeable. You don't have to worry about them trying to come in and play the three technique. I think they're simply ones. And now I think that just provides depth for that position to where if we decide to move from starting, we do have that option. Right. Um, so, and I, I I like the move. Go ahead. I like it too. And also, Star could be one of those uh, post-June 1st cuts that may balance out the cap hit a little bit over the next two years. And yeah, this is kind of kind of the season. I feel like the Bills have to go for broke right now. Do you? Yeah, this is our window. I'm not coming off of that because once we start playing Josh Allen, I think it's going to be very difficult to make – uh, moves, we're going to probably lose even more people next year. So this is definitely our Super Bowl window. So um, us signing wide receiver uh, Isaiah McKenzie to a two-year deal. A little so dirty. Yeah, a little dirty. So, uh, 
you know, we, we're getting our receiver core back. Beasley was granted permission to um, find a trade partner. I don't think that happened. So I think that he's going to be a casualty. But it was rumors today, I don't know if you saw, that we might be going out to Jarvis Landry. I hope Cleveland, they do. I know Cleveland there's a lot Bryant. of hard feelings out there toward him, but I hope they go after him. I, I think that would be a. I think that would probably be a uh, improvement from Beasley, and you have him oh, yeah. at the slot. He's very physical. He had a down year last year, but everybody had a down year last year in Cleveland. Yep. Um, and so Cleveland picked up uh, Cooper. And so I think they moved on from him. So they said it was between uh, Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. So I definitely don't want the Chiefs to get another weapon. Jeez. If it comes down to the Bills and the Chiefs, the Bills have to find a way to keep players from going there. One way or the other. Somehow the Chiefs are able to bring in big-name players repeatedly, and I don't know how they do it, but they do it. And I... I think Jarvis Landry would be a great addition. If you look at what the Bills had last year, what they were trying to get to with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, just it didn't quite work out. Right. I I don't think Beasley's coming back one way or the other. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think McKenzie is the replacement. I I I think his role in Buffalo is very defined as a gadget player and as a backup but I don't think that they're going to try to make him a starter. That's fair. Um, I may be in the minority that thinks that McKenzie's actually overrated. I, I love the guy. I'm glad he's on the team, but I don't think he's starter material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That- I mean, I just, like I said, I, I don't feel that way about it. Um, but yeah, I feel like uh, Jarvis Landry would definitely be improvement. But if we went into the se- season, uh, with Gabriel Davis and Isaiah McKenzie and then Diggs. Um, well, I think I, if we don't sign somebody free agent, I think we'll probably draft somebody. Yeah. So I, I don't think it'll come to that, but I don't. I wouldn't be as scared probably as you. I'd probably be a little concerned, but not as scared. My question is, if you go into the season without another proven receiver and Stephon Diggs gets hurt, do you like what you've got? No. 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 But but if if Diggs get hurt, I I, I feel I kind of feel like we're in trouble anyway. I don't know. Well, but I feel okay, sure. Good. But let me put it a different way. If Diggs gets hurt, are you comfortable with McKenzie being the number two? Mm, no, I don't think I am either. Yeah, I see. I don't. Don't get me wrong. I definitely see your point, but I don't know. Half of me is I would like to see him get extended time. Yeah. I mean, he had he had a couple of good games in there. I mean, so I, some of me is I would love to see more of him, but I don't want to see it live action where we suffer losses. Like if we lose, like it's kind of like. When we lost uh, Trey White, like when that happened, we knew how serious that was. As good as our defense was, we still finished number one. And as good as we like, uh, much we like Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott's defensive minds, we knew losing our probably second best player on our team 
<laughs> well, we gonna be. Ooh, oh my! Is that a COVID cough? No, that's <laughs> that's a that's what it was. A twenty degrees in Washington D.C. this weekend, and now it's <laughs> seventy degrees. That's all that is. Yeah. I know, right? This weather's so crazy, dude. But yeah, I mean, we knew at the time that losing our second best player on our roster, it was gonna be hard to overcome. So. If we lost Stefan Diggs, I, I I don't I think our ceiling would lower. Yeah, you know what I'm saying because he's not only I mean he's one of our best players on our team and he's probably one of our leaders most you know leaders. So sure. But you know it sort of all comes down to who's next in line and is that person good enough to at least do a passable job and we saw that. Levi Wallace was passable yes, in, in stepping in for Trey White. And for the most part, Dane Jackson was passable stepping in to the number two role. I'm not really wanting to see him there permanently. Right. But, <laughs> but all all the draft needs got us going corner in the first round. Corner or receiver? They, a lot of, I've seen a lot of corner. I'm seeing I saw that too. Some receiver, I've seen some receivers, but – I've seen a lot of corner, mm-hmm. and because they're saying with the way the draft is predicted to fall, is going to be starter level talent at that position. I think it will still be starter level talent at wide receiver also, but I think we can get a good number two receiver in the second round if that's what we choose to do. Yeah, you know, well, receiver's but, supposed to be pretty deep this year. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We let's just and we and once again as as the weeks go on, we'll get more off into the draft stuff. But if we could get a starting corner, because although Trey White is uh, supposed to be 100% when the season starts, we'll see. you always got to wonder, is he going to lose a step? Is it going to take him time to get back? So we need a first-round talent, I feel like, to be able to uh, succeed, especially early on. Right. So I feel like a, a number two corner is more important right now than another two or number three receiver. I, I agree right now. I, you know. I agree, especially if they bring in a veteran. Yeah. If they bring in oh, a veteran. Well, you know, yeah. really, and I, yeah. I don't want to get into the the draft as of now, but free agency plays into that because what you what you bring in in free agency allows you to look in other places when the right. draft comes around. Right. And really, if you're doing it right – you go into the draft without any glaring needs and you take the best player available. Right. If you go into a draft with a position in mind, you may not get the value for that and you you may reach. make a three-year mistake. Right, you'll reach. So, let since we're talking about receivers, let's uh let's talk about what else has happened. The Bills are bringing back Jake Kumaro. How do you feel about it? Meh. Okay. <laughs> so I would imagine you feel about the same about them uh re-signing Saran Neal and Terrell Dodson. Uh yeah. I mean Saran Neal is more important to me than Kumaro. Um uh, Dodson provides the depth, especially since we lost uh AJ Klein. Right. Um, so he provides depth, so that gives us, you know continuity but yeah Kumaro I mean what is Kumaro to us he's I mean, a special we like teamer. the guy huh he's a special teamer right but I mean 
he, as far as the receiver's concerned, he's what? No. He's, you know, he's so, a number five or six. And he's a number five or six receiver. That's why I'm like, yeah, for continuity's sake, great, but meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, they put him on the field as a blocker. Right. And then he catches between one and three passes a season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, now now we're we're skirmaging. Let's talk about what happened around the league. That's more important. You see that Deshaun Watson somehow magically after all this time got cleared of all criminal charges. Now he's facing civil suits. Yep. And so now he's uh he's interviewing the Saints and the Carolina Panthers who said they were gonna make an aggressive offer. And we can't talk about that without talking about what happened last week with the blockbuster trade. And some saying the biggest trade in NFL history. Ah, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson and his lovely wife oh. are leaving Seattle. Okay, look, Denver. stop right there for a second. I know everybody talks about Tom Brady's wife. Mm. It's Sierra. Well, I'm going to tell you mm. something. I, you remember this. And I never thought, man, you good. You're good. Let's talk about this real quick. True story. <laughs> you remember a few years ago when we played Seattle Monday Night Football. Yeah. All right? And you remember I went out there, right? Because we talked about this on the show. Oh, yeah. When I, sent, I when forgot I sent about you, that. When I sent you all the tape and I posted it to the uh, D.C. Bills backers Facebook and I was in front of the Seattle's practice facility talking trash. <laughs> I got to find that tape again. Maybe I'll repost it. You all died about that. I was talking trash outside of uh, their practice facility. (laughs) But anyway, I went up there and visited one of my colleagues from Florida State, my uh, Sean McWashington. And so he works out there. He used to play in the league, whatever. He knows a lot of people, whatever. And so uh, we go to the game, and I'm sitting in the seat, me and my lovely wife sitting there. And he was like, you want to go to this? A suite and meet Sierra. And I was like, no, I don't care about her. I'm watching the game. Because you remember that game was a tight game. They came down to the last drive. Yeah. And so, so anyway, I got I had a chance to meet her, but at that point, then that's when I knew that Tyrod Taylor was no longer gonna be our quarterback. Right. It was like, no, I want to win this game. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I had a chance to meet her and declined it because I was trying to watch the football game. <sighs> True story. I swear to God. <laughs> Was that the playoff drought, Bills? No. No, no, no. They they made it that season. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was a very tight game, and that was – you and I were talking about it. Like, did you have any faith that the Bills could score a touchdown the last drive? You're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> wasn't going to happen. Not at all. Not at all. But that's when I was emotionally getting tugged, like, maybe we can, hopefully we can. I should have just went up to the suite and had a drink and met Sierra and took a picture with her. But you were there with your wife, so. Well, she would have came, too. I mean, like, I would have said, okay, darling, you stay here while I go. I mean, no, nah, she would have came also. I, I'm going to I'm gonna go and I'm going to lick Sierra's cheek. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know, she would have came, too. I don't care. I don't care about that. I'm just saying that that probably would have been the best part of that game because I was miserable on that red eye coming back to the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that would have been the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I was miserable. how far we've come. Yeah. In, in the minute and a half that the Bills had to score a touchdown or even a field goal, I can't remember what it was, this current Bills team could have scored three times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that just shows how important. And t- like I said, man, we always dump on Tyrod. Tyrod did lead us. He did break the drought, okay? But having a guy, man, and just – it's just unbelievable. And it's just – it feels so good that I understand why Denver – because a lot of people are like, why would you give up two firsts, two seconds, a quarterback, a, t- a first-round tight end? Why would you do all that? And I'm like – because. They feel like if they have a guy, then they can win it. And if you look at their division, the AFC West, that's probably the best division of football when it comes to quarterbacks. Oh, easily. Right? Like, right. it's not even close. <laughs> it's not even close. The worst quarterback in the division is Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr. And he's like a 10 to 15 guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now couple that with what's going on with Deshaun Watson, it's like, okay, Carolina, what are you going to give up for? Because if you gave all that for uh, Russell Wilson, what are you going to give up for Deshaun Watson, who two years ago with no talent around him led the league in passing before all this stuff happened? So what are you willing to give up for that? You know what I'm saying? So – and then Tom Brady coming back. I mean, then once again, the NFC West or NFC South. I mean, it's there for the taking. I think that had a lot to do with him coming back. Yeah, you got Carolina, you got New Orleans, and uh, so I mean, they feel like they could just take it again. Why not? I think while we're talking about the AFC West, we also have to talk about the moves that the Chargers have made. The Chargers have added an all-pro edge player. And they have added an all-pro cornerback. J.C. Jackson and... They got J.C. Jackson. And Mack. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Teaming up with Bosa and... Oh, gosh. Uh, Who are their other cornerbacks? They've got uh, Derwin James in the slot. And then they got another good dude. What is yeah. his name? They're going all in, man. You're right, yeah. And they also re-signed their big receiver, Mike Williams. Right. I think they're the team to beat right now. They look good, man. If you look at their roster, yeah, they look, they look good. Because they understand that their division is loaded with quarterbacks now, and you have to be able to defend them. And how do you defend against a good quarterback with a pass rush and with corners? Chris Harrison, that's who you was talking about. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, just they, glad that they're all playing in the same division. Hopefully they're going to beat each other to a pulp before the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Whew. I'm so <laughs> glad the Bills are not in that division. I know. I'm so glad the best quarterback in the Bills division is it's McCorkle Jones. Did you see that Miami signed Teddy uh, Bridgewater? He's going to Miami. Yeah, how long before he ends up starting? I, I know, right? Let's do an over-under because I think he will be. You can't tell me that Tua Tungaloy is better than Teddy Bridgewater. I, I don't believe that. I'm willing to bet that by week nine, Bridgewater starts. That wouldn't be a bet because I'll, bet, I'll take the same bet. So. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, let, let's let's definitely bookmark this and say that we're putting the over-under on Teddy Bridgewater starting at 
week nine. Yep. I can see it. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater came in for the Saints two years ago and went undefeated. Now, granted, Saints got a great roster, but, I mean, Miami got a good roster. Yeah, they do. They've got a lot you of know, talent. And they've got they a-, got a lot of talent. I think they'll get more out of it, and I just think if Tua comes in and had these 100-yard games and don't really open it up, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be good for them. And they've got a new head coach who is apparently well-liked coming out of San Francisco that looks like he works in the accounting department where I work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He does. He's an odd person, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Buddy, there's a lot going on right now. It is, man. It's a good time of the year, man. I like to say it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am glad that we got to catch up, and I'm glad that we got to uh, share our thoughts on the goings-on of both the Buffalo Bills and the NFL and which player wives are the most attractive. I know, right? But we love our wives, though, so we don't look at other women. That's right. I just hear it about it. You know, I don't really look. I just heard. That's what people say, you know. (laughs) (laughs) See you in a couple weeks, my friend. Hey, hey.